Advances in technology, social media platforms, and ways of doing remote business have resulted in the creation of a whole new world that seems huge, but also pretty small because of the barriers to access to different people and geographies that have been brought down. One of the most interesting things about tech advancement for me has been its social impact on our networks, our careers, our knowledge, and of course, how we're influenced. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of The Workplace Revolution with me, Sile Bolani. Joining me for today's show is Busi Sibes Kosana, also fondly known as Ms. Manager. Busi is a media liaison specialist and award-winning social media manager and community manager. She has worked with some major brands including Mango Airlines, Gautrain, Gauteng Tourism Authority, LG Electronics, Smirnoff, Showmax, DSTV, Le Creuset and many others. Busi currently works with the MMC in the executive office of the mayor of the city of Johannesburg. And she is also the founder of Azanian Pulse Management, an influencer marketing agency. Busi, hello and welcome to the Workplace Revolution. Hi, Kishle. Thank you so much for having me. So for people who don't know you, tell us a little bit about your professional background and how you found your way into this social media space? Sheesh. Um, so I started working as soon as I got to Johannesburg. Um, I come from a small town in the free state called Harry Smith. And I grew up watching, you know, television and watching people go about their lives and work. And I used to listen to Dineo quite a lot. And I then came to the side to study media. And then I started my career when I was 19. I was still studying at the time. And um, I used to do quite a lot. I've, I've never, there's never been a time in my life where I was not busy. I've never not worked. And I started doing promotions and I would work at Superga. I'd be the door lady at clubs. And then at some point, you know, you have to do your internship. And um, I interned with a very popular person right now. Um, I was working at Show Love at the time. And then I later moved to Deloitte because I felt like show business didn't have money. Mm. I was like, I'm out. This is not going to work for me. Mm. But because I'm a creative and I've always been a creative, I found my, I found my way then moving into agencies. Uh, these are your digital agencies, your 360 agencies. And that's literally the beginning of my career. I've done social media but I'm a journalism and public relations graduate. And the decision to go into social media was because I was seeing that journalism was actually going to die. Mm -hmm. And that informed my decision to then move over to the social media. And at the time, there was no course that you could do. There was absolutely nothing. You literally learn on the job. And that's exactly what I did. I literally just learned on the job. And I've always put my hand up for stuff. And I've always gone the extra mile. And yeah, this now we're here, actually. Now, you raise a very interesting point, which I wanted to chat about. Um, I mean, you come from a, a small town. Um, I mean, for those of us who know Harry Smith, we know exactly what you mean. Um, <laughs> and as particularly as a young black woman in South Africa, um, you know, the types of careers that we grew up exposed to are very different to many of the careers that exist now. What informed your decision to decide to study journalism in the first place? Because that wasn't a typically popular career path for young black people. So 
to be honest with you, when I actually went to Boston Media House, I thought I was going to do radio because I would listen to Dineo and Bougie. Literally every single day, YFM at four o'clock, I would never miss it for the world, right? I would even skip like study and sports just to listen to them. And I don't know, something about it, just I was drawn to it. Something about media and how information and messaging is actually portrayed out there to the consumer mm. was very interesting to me because at some point in my life, I thought I'd go into business. But I thought I would be like, you know, I don't know, a business strategist because I've always been good at it. I mean, I got a distinction in the trick for both business and economics. But there was something about me that was always a creative. I mean, in the way I would write my essays, I was like, there's something there. Mm. But I wasn't sure how to go about it. And then I started looking into it. I was like, okay, what do I get to do? Because at the time, the idea of studying to be, for lack of a better word, a celebrity didn't make sense to me. Mm. I thought you just wake up by some sheer luck, you become a celebrity because you're talented. Mm. Then I found out that you can actually study for it. And then that's when I, I went into the route of journalism. But the decision to do that only came in third year, where for the first two years of studying, I was like, uh, half of these things that we do here, I don't actually enjoy. I didn't enjoy public relations. I didn't enjoy video. I didn't enjoy radio because I don't like talking a lot. So it was it was a natural progression for me to go into journalism. But in high school, I wasn't really exposed to it. Hmm. Now, you have founded um, a Zanian Pulse. What is a Zanian Pulse? And exactly what does an influencer marketing agency do? So a Zanian Pulse is, to be honest with you, is me winging it. Hmm. How I started my agency was... Dr. Cindy approached me and I was working for an agency at the time and I needed her on the cover of our website because we used to do blogs and uh, a lot of articles. Mm. And she started asking me a lot of questions that I thought she should know. I, I, I was baffled. I was like, "How you don't know this, but you have been getting so much work. I've been seeing you on the timeline doing a lot of campaigns. So I then came up with the idea. I was like, okay, let me manage you. Let me just help you out. And she's like, I can't, I can't have you working for, for me or with me without any sort of compensation. Mm. And we started that relationship. And what I would, what I basically do, an influencer management agency, what essentially does is it helps you monetize. But that's the end of it. Like, literally, that's literally the last step of it. So it's everything in between admin, positioning you, growing your brand, positioning your brand properly on social media to, to, to be in line with your objectives, mm. to be in line with your niche, to be in line with what you can actually offer to brands. It's, you know, looking for opportunities where nobody else is looking for opportunities. It's establishing relationships and maintaining relationships with brands. So mm. you remain top of mind if there is a brief or a campaign that fits who you are and what you are as a brand online. Mm. So I basically manage the entire career of being an influencer mm. so i i i put i this input into how we execute content i i go as far as actually sending back briefs because certain briefs that we get from brands are sloppy you know it does not make sense i don't understand what the objective is because you know when you look at south africa now and the climate of influencer marketing a lot of people are just hopping on it but there's a lot of irregularities that make it very difficult for 
execution to be done properly to you know be measured against campaign success mm. so this is where i come in so what we say at azanian pals we are a, a full service management agency that grows ongoing authentic relationships with influencers and businesses across a variety of niches mm. and that's literally what we do but i've also gone over and above what i do for the people i manage because I'm noticing again the climate of influencer marketing in the country is not done properly. A lot of people don't actually understand it. Mm. And that presents a challenge especially when the people who are supposed to be behind the brands who don't get what they this they actually do it. Mm. It makes it difficult for me to actually work with you with this particular influencer that you say you need on your campaign because what are we doing? And that's mm. a lot of the, the problems that come in mm. a lot of people don't actually know what they're doing mm. Mm. and why are we doing it mm. yeah that's a you know that's a very good point because i mean i've seen a number of conversations i mean i have a a pr marketing brand background um so i'm always very interested in seeing how people manage grow their brands interact with promote whatever the case may be um even though i'm not necessarily actively in that space now um but i'm always very intrigued by the various brand partnerships and collaborations that i see um and whether it speaks to the alignment with the brand and what it is essentially intending to do from a strategic perspective um and there's been a lot of conversations on social media particularly around whether brand managers are actually really doing what's best for their brands in terms of their influencer strategies or if it's a case of them just you know being attached to the uh the the, the association with certain influencers even if it is ends up working against the brand uh it's unfortunate because we because of the way influencer marketing is happening right now everybody wants to be an influencer including brand managers and everybody wants to be popular everybody wants to enjoy the perks that come with influencer marketing right because it's it 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 can get very glamorous i mean you get the press drops so now when you are working for a brand you you do what's best for the brand and you don't look at your personal interests mm. right it's like it's it, it comes down to something as simple as you know uh people who work for certain brands and their family members cannot enter a competition right same thing with you know you benefiting from your brand working with influencer or actually going into the direction of influencer marketing to push certain objectives you cannot try and leverage off that or benefit from that because you get a salary and your job is to do what's in the best interest of that brand and what the objective at the time is mm. but you know everybody wants to be friends with popular people because again you know outside of just influencer marketing social climbing in bigger cities and metropolitans it's it's a thing mm. it's mm. a huge thing and it's a problem when you now get to know the people behind the brands because when i was starting out like earlier you know you couldn't even know who the social media manager was for a, a particular brand mm. You know, because the brand has to be the brand on social media. So you can't you can't know that Boosie is behind Mango Airlines because now you're thinking you're speaking to Boosie. And when I am actually you know running and handling the account, I need to speak and you know the tone, the messaging, 
has to be that of the brand. Mm. Even, you know, that is informed by brand pillars. That informs how I respond to, you know, customers. That informs how we move. That informs the messaging that we send send out. Mm. But now that everything is so transparent and, you know, social media opening all of that up, and now it's the press drops, it's the events and the launches, and everybody's on everybody's stories, it blurs the lines. Mm. And that's when you get to see that, certain campaigns are not actually executed properly because people just want to make more friends and they use that access. They use Mm. the fact that I can give you a campaign to get closer to people, which Mm. is a big problem. Absolutely. We'll see, how do you define an influencer? (sighs) This is... For me, an influencer is not somebody who has a lot of numbers in terms of following. Mm. An influencer is somebody who has enough social capital that if I partner with them in the specific niche, and a lot of people get lost in the niche, right? The mm. niche is your interest because this is your daily life. This is what you, you live. It's not put on. You don't have to go the extra mile to create the content because this is what you would be doing whether you document it or not. Partnering up with somebody who is able to then drive consideration. Mm. A lot of the time, people don't understand where in the marketing chain influencer falls, right? Mm. A lot of people think it's to drive sales. A lot of people think it's awareness. A lot of people think it's engagement. But all of those things, when you put them together, have to drive consideration. It is not the influencer's job to make you want to buy, to make you buy it, but they must make you want to consider buying it. Mm. And then it moves over to the website where whoever's in charge of the website, the way the website has been designed, functionality, user experience, makes it easy for us to then take this conversion or this lead and actually drive it to a sale. Mm. Influencers are not supposed to be pretty or popular or this and this and that. They have to have enough social capital and social capital also, you know, extends to the little inside jokes you have with somebody online where if you call something brickberry, you know, I have a I have a very crazy inside joke from high school where we used to call Blackberry Brickberry. And, you know, based on that interaction alone, if I say I'm launching, I'm working with Brickberry, the people who have been part of that little inside joke, you know, first have this sense of you've always been about that brand. Mm. But I don't have to be popular. I don't have to be big. I don't have to be this and this and this and that. Because if I speak, people listen. Mm. And that's an influencer. And this is where now we are at a point where we are starting to be very clear in calling people content creators because they can create great content, but it doesn't necessarily mean they are influential. Influencers are still your micro um, influencers who don't have a lot of numbers because of that close proximity to their followers. Mm. I think that this is such an important point and it's something that I actually wanted to discuss in this conversation as well. So I'm happy you brought it up um, because, you know, we've had, we've seen, we've, you know, we've all been in some way or form part of conversations and debates around this issue of of influence and is it about numbers or not? Um, and how do you define influence? Um, and are we looking for aspiration? Are we looking for conversions? You know, um, 
And there's also this issue around what you mentioned earlier, brand and marketing managers who don't actually know what they want from influencers or what role influencers actually play in the bigger picture. Um, you know, there's been so many conversations around uh, particularly the debate, you know, with, with COVID uh, kicking in. There's one particular thing that stuck out to me because there was so much conversation around it. And that was the thing around high-end influencers or content creators um, being part of a campaign for a soap brand that is considered on the lower end of the status scale and how genuine that collaboration is. I remember, I remember that conversation. I think I, so you know me on social media, I thread a lot, especially when I picked up on something and my thoughts start to ramble. Mm. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a pattern right now with, um, hiring Mm. and now because everybody can do social media and you can Google, it's easy for you to actually be sit in front of the panel of interviews or people who are interviewing you and you can actually then get your, 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 your job. Mm. But when it comes down to practice, that's when it comes out, you know, we need to, we need to really go back to marketing and really understand the core essence of marketing and how it unfolds and how it is easy for you to then, you know, use that information to then send out messaging. Mm. For me, when I saw that campaign, my biggest thing was that, you don't understand your LSM and mm-hmm. you don't understand your positioning in the biggest scale of things. Mm. And, you know, a lot of the times we want to, you want to push a lower scale type of product on other people using aspiration and there's a disconnect. Mm. People who do lux should sell lux because that's where they have positioned themselves and that aspiration makes sense. Somebody who does lux and tries to sell me that particular soap, there will be a disconnect because I don't believe them Mm. and I will never believe them. Mm. And because I know that they're not, they're not using it. They actually just saying this because they just have to get the bag. Mm. You know, they know that they can ask for 40,000 rand for three tweets because people will listen to me, but there's a disconnect. Yes, we listen and yes, we see you, but it doesn't change how we feel about the brand. It doesn't change how we, approach the brand it doesn't change whether we're going to actually interact with the brand and the product at all Mm. Mm. and that's the problem you know in 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 influencer marketing one of the biggest things that has to happen is mining you can have the most amazing idea you can have the most amazing campaign and it can be executed quite well but if you're not using the right type of influencers campaign success then goes to shambles and that's Mm. where then instead of people actually talking about what you are trying to communicate there's other messaging on the side the noise that comes through and that's when you get to see that whatever you were doing did not work Mm. because the whole idea is for people to talk about what you are trying to sell Mm. they should be engaging you on the product they should be asking further questions but people are complaining on the side and you know, unlike back in the day where there's no no such thing as bad publicity in influencer marketing, it's not PR. Mm. It's a marketing communication tool to further advance whatever you're trying to communicate about your product or messaging. Mm. So it stays top of mind. Mm. Mm. But 
particularly to the right consumer. And if you are not able to segment and actually identify who your consumers are, where are they? Where are they spending time on the internet? Which keywords actually then, you know, bring them closer? Are your social media pages optimized to a point where if they search, you know, rash skincare, you, you come top of, you know, of, of the Google ranking mm. and it pays you with the right type of influencer who's been talking about this mm. continuously that I use the soap for one, two, three, four, five, but you want to bring on somebody who's going to give you three tweets and when they, you know, search and in terms of Google ranking, it won't optimize because there's no pattern. There's mm. no, there's no database of this person continuously talking about this thing, mm. but we're only looking at, social media we're only looking at twitter when Mm. there are so many other mechanics that makes this whole thing work Mm, mm. and that's the problem absolutely and i mean that is such an important point um i know one of the struggles that i had um particularly when i was within the corporate environment and working with agencies was also that very lazy approach um, to identifying Mm. key people to partner with for campaigns because my questions were always I'm not looking for the low-hanging fruit. I'm not looking for the people that are popular. I'm looking for the people who mm. actually have the authentic conversations, the people who actually use this product and understand it and engage on it and are passionate about it because that is what people respond to. It's that authenticity that has always been a key driver for me in determining who the appropriate people are for me to collaborate with on behalf of the brand that I represent. But then it also brings me to my next question, uh, which is around um, the role of influencers um, in the current and the future world, um, as well as the growth of the pool of influencers, as well as the standards. And you alluded to this earlier in our conversation. When I th- when we think about influencers now, um, I think for most of us, uh, what comes to mind is firstly a woman, most likely, in most instances, um, a very beautiful woman, um, who has a, in more cases than not, has a certain type of body, um, has a certain type of aesthetic. Um, and obviously then the numbers follow. And if you look at the pattern, it kind of is kind of copy and paste across the board for most of the popular uh, or more popular influences. Yes. Where do you see the future of social media and influences going when you look at just the trend in terms of how people are responding to authenticity or lack thereof of public figures, but also people's, I guess, alertness to or awakening to social issues and how they influence uh, societies and how they operate. Sure. Um, from, a, from a technical, you know, marketing point, um, I, I worry that it's going to fade out. And the reason I I feel this way is because everything's already so blurred. Mm. There's opportunities right now for the people who are actually good at what they're doing in terms of content creation and actual influence to further define what they're influential in. You know, this is now where we move away from niche because everybody's saying niche, 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 niche on the timeline. Mm. But now let's look at 
the tools that we have presented to us and looking at analytics and measuring, measuring, right? Mm. You can position yourself as somebody who says, look, I have a lot of numbers. I can create this type of content. When I send it out there, a lot of people will see it, but they're not necessarily going to engage with it. So I'm more likely to just take all the brand awareness type of campaigns where, you know, in terms of communication with the brand, they shouldn't expect much from me apart of brand awareness. And then there's people who, because of the type of, you know, uh, reputation or rapport they've built for themselves online, they are able to get people to engage. These are people who don't necessarily post the pretty pictures, but go into detail. They go into education. They go into actually unpacking certain things. Mm. And that's where you can then somebody say, I'm an engagement type of influencer. I'm not going to give you the pretty pictures, Mm. but I can get you engagements. I can get you insights. I can, I'm a walking survey for you. And you don't necessarily have to ask, what do you feel about this brand? But you can create a conversation where you are able to get consumer insights. Mm. And then you have people who can just say, look, I can tell a story in and around your brand. I only do vlogs and I make it look pretty and I make it look fun. But we are also getting to a point where it's really going to fade out because the market is very saturated. But it's also going to fade out because we have a smarter consumer. We have a consumer that actually nitpicks now. The consumer says, but I don't believe you. Mm. What are you saying? Mm. Do you know more about what you're telling me? How is there? There's no alignment between what you're saying and what the brand is saying. You know, in terms of brand pillars between the the influencer and the brand, there's no there's no alignment. So something is off. Mm. So with the with the consumer getting smarter and with with you know the consumer constantly questioning certain things and you know the regulatory board saying that you have to declare that this is an ad it's going to fade out the budgets are going to get lower um i have a feeling in terms of digital we are going to move to a space where you know you would rather trust you know a robot where this is where you you would rather boost the post because the accuracy of getting the results are much better than trusting somebody who can give you a crisis calm the next day because they're tweeting out the side of their neck Mm. so we are going back to what social media is and moving to paid content moving Mm. to digital and all the platforms under digital that actually allow you to input money to get the results Mm. i mean it's so easy that you input a message you you detail clearly who you're targeting where are they in the country are they in the world how old are they what are their interests what kind of phone are they using is it android is it ios uh what time do they usually log on who are Mm. their friends so the algorithm also picks up on their friends so it re re then reposts or remarkets this so that they see it again because there's a pattern and that pattern is more trustworthy than depending on social capital or the, the pseudo self so social capital that certain people think they have. Mm. So that's where we're moving. It's, it's moving to then really advancing in digital and social media and what it has. Because if you look at it, these platforms are constantly giving us updates that allow us to eliminate certain things and which also means eliminating influencers it's very easy for us to then make them obsolete Mm. and you see this with small businesses where they don't need influencers they just need to depend on the platforms and paid media and what it can do for them because Mm. influencer marketing now is just staying top of mind and being cool Mm. but it doesn't address certain marketing objectives Mm. 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 now 
I mean, influencer marketing uh, is a, a new industry. And because it's a new industry, we obviously are starting to see more guidelines and requirements being made of brands and influencers to ensure transparency. Because again, you know, uh, we have uh, consumers who are now a lot more alert and awake and demanding of transparency. Now, one of these things... Um, the, the requirements that have been made is including uh, mentioning when a post is an ad or when it's a paid for or sponsored post. Uh, I mean, many people who, I guess, um, participate in social media campaigns have repeatedly expressed how they are noting that when they have the disclaimer that a post is a sponsored post or it's an ad, that there's consistently a reduced level of engagement on that content. Why do you think that trend is happening? Um, one of the reasons is because you're speaking to people who are, who are hating outside of the club, right? So, <laughs> but they can't get in. can <laughs> <laughs> <They> get in. <laughs> so firstly, you're speaking to people who would have loved to um, have that gig but also you're speaking to an audience where the reason the engagement is a bit lower, like we said, the consumer is aware now and they have picked up that this is the first time you talk about this. And the first time you talk about this, it's an ad. Mm -hmm. So are you really authentically telling me about this? Are you plugging me or you just got paid to do this? You know, you got an email and they said, can you do this? And you said, yes, how much are you going to pay me? And you create content. Mm -hmm. But I also touched on it that, you know, there's certain people who are able to still thrive regardless of that ad. Mm. Because at the end of the day, how you create content versus how the brand would create content will always be different. Mm. You have influencers or content creators who are creative directors because at the core of who they are, they're very creative and they're very brilliant. So they are able to create or send the messaging in such a way that it, it connects beautifully to who they are. And this is when people who, they're not trying to copy and paste. Mm. They stick to, I'm going to see, this is how I I would communicate this. I would make this a thread. I'm not the person who goes on IG Live. I'm not the person who creates a vlog. I don't create pretty pictures and put flowers and all of that stuff, mm. you know. And because it's authentic to who you are, and that's that that they can't take that away from you. Mm. It will always translate the consumer or your following, especially if you've built a community and instead of just having followers, they know that Sipo creates this type of content mm. and we love it and he doesn't sway from it. So in the back of their heads, they're probably thinking Sipo got a, a brief and he pushed back to say, this is not my style. So unless you allow me to speak to my people the way they know me and they have allowed me to speak to them and actually be part of their lives. I'm not going to do this. So there's a level of respect that comes through. But because, you know, you get the brief, the brief is sloppy. It takes you away from how you speak, how you deliver certain things. Mm. The messaging is so rigid. You can't even make it your own. Then people are just like, oh, of course you got paid for this. I'm not even going to engage you. Mm, mm, mm. So it's, it's, you were bought. Right. Absolutely. You were billboard. And people don't interact with billboards. Mm. Now, racism, colorism, classism, fat phobia, 
in the influencer industry. In your view, is it as bad as it looks to those of us who are not in the industry? Yeah. So the thing about it is that certain, before certain conversations actually make it to the timeline, they happen off the timeline. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's in subtle things like when you go to an event and, you know, you're treated differently because you're slightly bigger. Or mm. they ask you, who are you here with? Because how the hell did you get in? Mm. You know, it's either you are too big or you are too gay or you are too this or you're too that. But they, there's, a, there's a mold where people think it's normal and that's the person who got invited. And if you came, if you are there, surely you just piggybacked on this person's invite. Mm. And it's, it's in subtle nuances, whether you get the goodie bag or not, whether, you know, people interact you, with you or not. And what I've picked up is that in the, in the influencer space, people are only as nice to you as much as what they can get from you. Mm-hmm. If there's nothing they think they can get from you, they will show you their true selves. Mm-hmm. And these conversations make it on the timeline and people think they're being subtle and it's not. The thing about the isms and the phobias is that it's, it jumps out. It's so easy to spot because the conversation or the underlining tone is you're not normal. Mm. And now that then begs the question, what the hell is normal? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very prevalent. It's it's it, you know, it's it's prevalent as classism. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. I mean I'm seeing <laughs> I, 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 often when I speak about, you know, when we talk about what twenty twenty has been like and you know yes it's had many many challenges for so many of us in so many different ways but one of the things that i've really appreciated about this year has been the amount of clarity um and revelation um that it has brought for many of us um and being able to be in a position where i can sit and observe conversations and the things that people have been saying during this period, which has been insane for me, has just been like, oh, is that what it is? <laughs> that's where you at? That's that's the hill you want to die on, you know? Um, having to watch, firstly, this issue around fat phobia and how every time uh, a, a woman particularly who is fat post a picture and and comments are oh my gosh I love your confidence mm. <laughs> you, you know okay. you look so happy in your skin like what the hell does that even mean because you don't say that to other people that's not a normal comment you know yeah. or yeah. for you know there's a lot of conversations specifically now around colorism and trying to tackle that issue as a social issue particularly within the black community because yes we can deal with racism but we also need to tackle the colorism that exists within black communities and having to painfully observe conversations where light-skinned people are trying to justify how life is as difficult for them as dark-skinned people. You know, it's just the most insane thing for me because what world are we living in? Social media has exposed so many things about how people think, 
um, that we would not have been able to see or hear in any other kind of environment. True, true. Especially this year. I think, you know, one thing we don't talk about a lot is that the year has been so emotionally and mentally draining Mm. and challenging that, you know, the thing about the mind, right? The mind, you can pretend to be something and Mm. you can put on this show and you can put on this front. But when the mind is upset and when the mind is challenged, it shows its true self. Mm. And the reason there's a spike in these type of conversations is because, you know, everybody thinks that they're they're pretending to be certain things, but it, it jumps out because... You, you're so mentally challenged that you are you are literally back to your default. Mm. And if your default is being, you know, homophobic, being sexist, being all of those isms and the phobias, it will come out because mm. mentally you have been so challenged that you are not even aware when you are saying these things. Because, you know, when we are not challenged, we have so many social, so, so many coping mechanisms that we are able to navigate on pretense. Mm. But when the mind is challenged, it goes back to default settings, back to factory settings, and it shows us and yourself who you actually are. Mm. Mm. You know, it comes out, you know, sometimes people always say, you know, a drunk, a drunk man's words are his sober thoughts, which is true. And that's what we are now. I think that COVID has made us sober. And in, in us being sober, we are actually being our true selves. Mm-hmm. And it's jumping out because the only outlet we had at the time, especially during lockdown, is social media. That was mm-hmm. the only way we can interact with what we we can call the outside world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, there was agitation. People were stressed. People were really challenged. And we got to see their true nature. Mm-hmm. It's the things that they think, but they know they can't say it because they will be attacked on social media, but it doesn't mean that that's not what they think, Mm. you know? Mm. But I also think that there's also a situation where people have had to, you know, look at certain things and be educated and they change their thinking and their approach to things. And we should allow those people to reform. You know, Mm. I had an incident with somebody where they, their decision at the time. And when I was angry, I felt like, wow, I I can't believe you did that. Mm. And this person came back to apologize. But recently I'm having a conversation with myself where I'm saying, if this person shows that they have reformed, I should at least, you know, in my personal space, because who are we to allow? But in my personal space, I should give them the platform to actually show me that they have changed and they have reformed and learning and unlearning. Mm. But the reality is, some of the the conversations we have, some of the social conditioning comes from uh, the older generation and they didn't know better. Mm. You know, if you look at Kukasi, Kodisabapzing, there's there's a lot of thinking that is not correct. And then you come across somebody who says, that's not right and that's not right. And you feel like they're challenging you or they're attacking you, but they're attacking the thinking. And the thing with thinking and the thing with beliefs and ideologies that they can change. Mm. But you have to accept that this person is challenging your statement but they're not challenging you as a person Mm. unless you get defensive and you actually show us that yeah no actually that's who you are and that's what you stand by Mm. Mm. so we need to we need to get to a place where we we really stop getting defensive Mm. especially around colorism 
you need to you can't you can't want to listen to somebody's statement and want to insert yourself that's mm. that means you're not having a conversation with this person it means you're not listening to them mm. because as soon as you want to listen and say but with me you see with me this with me that it's not about you right now mm. listen to what the other person is saying and maybe ask them okay so how do we change this what can i do as a person who is light skinned to you know check myself when i'm doing it especially maybe you know um coming for somebody who's a bit darker or treating them differently or allowing my friends to treat my one friend who's darker differently as opposed to everybody else how do i call that out mm. you know without making the other person feel weird mm. you know we need to get to positions where we stop making it about ourselves and actually look at how does it make the next person feel mm. and how can we help them mm. but we want to make it fair but i this but i that everybody has challenges skinny mm. people have their own challenges fat people have their own challenges light sleep light people have their own challenges you know dark skin people have their own challenges but we can't want to make it a competition of who has it worse mm. Mm. we all just having it bad mm. absolutely you know it, it brings me to the issue of um authenticity and how mm-hmm. it's a word that we are hearing everywhere right now you know people are being encouraged to show up as their full selves um but showing up as your full self means different things for different people um as we have seen numerous times on social media uh what are some of the pitfalls uh to be aware of when managing your reputation and engaging and trying to be authentic online how much is too much because the reality is that we're human so you might go into it with the best intentions um and be able to do so for a while but you know people on social media can be triggering and it can be incredibly <laughs> tempting to pop off <laughs> yeah yeah sucks um you know i i, I don't want to answer this from a um a a human type of element i want to answer it from branding mm. because who am i to tell you what not to do but i think from a branding perspective you always stick to who you are mm. and the thing with sticking to who you are is that we are passively influenced by a lot of things you know there was a time when savanna used to be a ratchet drink and everybody's drinking it now mm. so we are passively influenced by a lot of things and you being authentic to yourself does not mean that you won't dabble in certain things but it's in the way you dabble in it mm. if i'm you know now i'm i'm at, i'm at a point where i'm exploring sneakers for instance you know let's simply make it simple um i'm exploring sneakers but in in exploring sneakers i am you know in authenticity to who i am i'm open enough to say i don't know a lot about sneakers I'm only buying what I think looks good. I don't even know half the names mm. sometimes. But I'm not going to try and compete with an Aluda who can say it's a da 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 360 what 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 Puma what 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 what. And there's absolutely no need for that. But also in being authentic means when you are able to recognize when you were wrong and actually admit that you were wrong. But you don't admit you were wrong after being called out, mm. especially you let it foster. And you know this is when people say certain things on the timeline, and the 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 apology is on that notes app, and 
you just want to say your piece so that we can leave you alone, but you're not actually even allowing people a platform to say, you know what, I would like you guys to further engage me on this and actually show me where I was wrong. You just want to shut them up. Mm. And that's where it comes where you are not being authentic because in authenticity means that you are allowing yourself to continuously evolve based on the influence around you, but you do not sway from who you are. Mm. And, you know, you are, you are receptive to being challenged. You are receptive to being um, reprimanded. And in that you say, I'm going to then take this feedback and take it back to me and apply it to how I know best and what is more comfortable with me, Mm. but it doesn't have to be performative. Mm. So a lot of people's authenticity is performative where on the timeline, oh my God, there's so much love. But when you come across them in real life, it's this person is just as cold as what you thought they were. Mm. Cause Mm. it's put on, Mm. it's, you know, everything is always so put on. Mm. Hmm. it's just such a it's such an interesting conversation because and i love conversations like this where you go into it with questions but by the time you leave it you have even more questions because it's so multi-layered um and because it involves people humans there's so many different issues that that crop up um but there's also so many opportunities in it um now you know we have predominantly focus our conversation a lot on the typical type of influencers, you know, that work with brands um, in the various, you know, sectors. Um, but we're also seeing influencers popping up in different sectors of business, you know, so professional influencers, uh, people who are, for instance, in the legal space or finance, HR, etc. cetera. Um, you know, so in those spaces that are not traditionally considered the influencer space, how can people build and grow their influence and online communities? I think we first need to then, you know, correct that they're not influencers. Mm. So in, in, in certain spaces, and I think, you know, the term influencer has, it, it, it fits, right? Because you're popular and you're out there and da 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 but in spaces such as business, you are a thought leader. Mm. See, I have problems with certain titles like industry expert. You're a thought leader. Mm. And what thought leaders do is that they put a conversation and they allow for other people to actually join them. Mm. They don't position themselves as somebody who knows it all, but they, they share their insights mm. and they are open to debates. They're open to be challenged. They're open to be shown a different perspective. They are open to you know having more people join into the conversation. But one of the biggest things about it is education. Mm. And this is what's um, which something that lacks a lot on the timeline where you want to follow the the mold of typical you know fast moving consumer goods um influences mm. which is not going to work mm. because in your space it's all about education it's all about insights it's all about bringing attention to me something i did not know mm. and you know it's something as simple as cars you know I had an altercation with somebody recently on the t- timeline because of that, where I felt that, you know, in the, in a space such as automobile, 
we know the cars are pretty. We can see the cars are pretty, you know. That's what advertising is for. That's why the TVCs are for. But we need somebody who brings it and and makes it in layman's terms. Mm. You need somebody who can actually walk me through the process of how to buy a car because I'm just, I just graduated. Where do I start? You know, mm. who do I speak to? What does balloon payment mean? What does that mean? Like, so you, you, the essence of it is education. Mm. And one of the best ways, you know, somebody has done that on the timeline is that financial guy who started with just property and talking about interest on property. And now he's talking about a lot of things and he's even willing to engage you where if you ask him a question, he breaks it down to such a point where you feel like you could go to a bri and you know just throw it in there in a conversation because mm. you know you know and and that's what you're supposed to do you're supposed to give people information you 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 empower them with information and it makes you an industry leader mm. it also means that the brands who are out they see that and it means you simplify what they fail to do in a tvc mm. you are able to bring people closer with information that they need to make decisions if failure to do that means that there's a disconnect yet again, not everything has to be pretty pictures. Not everything has to be the cool video. Sometimes I just want to know what balloon payment means mm -hmm. and how that affects me in the long run. So, you know, people who are in, in, the, in, the, in the business sector trying to, you know, penetrate or navigate through this, one of the biggest things is education. And education means talking to people who don't have access to, you know, a financial advisor. And you are able to give me that information in such a way that I can actually make a decision for my personal life and my personal finances, for instance. Mm. You break it down in such a way I can be like, Mama, you know, hey, man, so and so and so and so. And this lady is just looking at you like, I didn't take you to law school. Mm. But because they put it in such a way that it makes sense that's how you penetrate mm. that's how you build and you consistently do it and you know one thing i always say to people is that social media is about patterns mm. if you position your your brand in such a way that on thursdays you are talking about law it means that the people who come to your timeline to want to listen about finance they are going to pay attention to your timeline on monday because that's when you talk to you talk to them about finance the people you speak who want to listen or read about law will come on thursday it also makes it easy for us to then say hey brand this is who this person majority of the people who talk about law is on thursday if you are targeting those specific people he's going to post this on thursday and we can actually say that's the audience that's there for law mm. because you've simplified it so much it makes it easy for them to navigate mm. it's like a child who has the timetable and they know at this time i go to english at that time i go to maths at the time that time i go to economics mm. and the person who shows up for economics is because they registered for economics it means they're interested in economics it means the people you are talking to are there specifically to listen about economics mm. and that's how you diversify you know then talking to your audience properly it also makes it easy for you to measure it also makes it easy for you to look at the areas of improvement it also makes it easy for you to go to a brand and say okay uh, so so bank you we doing your stuff on monday as opposed to that day and then because you've already tailored your audience you've put them in one classroom you're able to look at the analytics and say who are they what are they doing how old are they what do they like because you've then put them in one classroom mm. 
Now, even when you say my return on investment is going to be so and so and so, if you're saying I'm speaking to 500 people, you are actually speaking to 500 people. Mm. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Um, what I want to chat, uh, touch on now is the is hashtags. um (laughs) so there are so many so many social injustices that are in the spotlight all over the world at the moment we've got if you look at the u.s there's hashtag black lives matter or blm um and then there's hashtag end sars that's currently happening in nigeria and the diaspora and you know all sorts of other hashtags that are related to gender-based violence, etc. I personally have found hashtags to be very useful to help me to find out more information about certain issues or about current affairs um, because I just happen to be interested in the world and what's happening in the world and see what role I can play, you know, um, if there is a role for me to play within that space, but also to hear other people's voices and views and learn about their experiences. But there are also people who seem to have quite a bit of disdain for hashtags. Um, And I've often seen tweets uh, where people refer to it as hashtag activism in that tone, you know, that tone. (laughs) <laughs> what are your views <laughs> what are your views um on that and how can hashtags be effectively used and managed to advance social justice initiatives okay so before i get to that so the you know hashtags were introduced as a way to measure mm. it made it easy for the the brand to be able to see how far the reach is outside of their content. Because mm. remember, with social media, more, before everything else, social media, as soon as they started introducing hashtags and tracking, it was simply for business. Mm. It was never for any initiatives and social justice. And that allowed for people to be able to search the conversation under the hashtag without actually be, be following you. Mm. Now, you have people who use hashtags as a declaration. So this is where somebody says hashtag activist. Mm. And the reason they do that is because perhaps the previous hashtag next to activist is trending and they want to be seen in that light. Mm. Because remember, with, with social media, everything is all about advancement and everybody wants to trend. Everybody wants to be popular. Everybody wants to be at the forefront of all conversations. Mm. They want to be the go-to person for that, the go-to person for this. Mm. And what I love about hashtags, especially in, in, in how we use them now, is it's to spread the message. You know, it's, it, it, it makes it easy to navigate through all of this information because there's so much information on social media. There's so many conversations. So it also just makes it easy for you to navigate and actually see what are people saying mm. and what are the new developments. Um, it also brings, you know, a sense of this thing is really serious. Mm. And that's what's something that it lacks. Because if you, if, you, if you had to look at it, if, if you are not following certain people who are in the, state, in the States, but you're following people who are in South Africa who follow maybe three, 
you know, it wouldn't be as popular or the conversation wouldn't be as immense and it wouldn't stop the world as much as it did if it wasn't for a hashtag that allows us to actually track all the other conversations from people who don't have the reach or the numbers, but they are actually actually experiencing this. Mm. But now we also have a very bad habit, especially in South Africa, where people jump on trending hashtags to promote their business. Mm. And this dilutes the messaging of their business because there's no correlation. Mm. And Twitter's algorithm will look at that and it will push it further down that people can't see it and there's really no engagement. Mm. So hashtags are great. They, they make things so easy. But again, we were talking about this recently where on Twitter, there's no need for you to use more than one hashtag at a time. Mm. Because again, it lowers your engagement by 18%. As much as people are able to then search a hashtag, it also means that in searching the hashtag where there's top and there's latest and there's photos and in the news, yours goes all the way down because Twitter doesn't necessarily like that. And at the end of the day, you know, these policies are put in place by certain institutions and the people who work in those institutions. So I I particularly like it, mm. but I I also feel like there's pressure for us to engage. Mm. Is There's pressure for us to have that one tweet that has the hashtag, mm. you know. And now this is where it becomes performative. And I'm not saying everybody does it to be performative, but there's so much pressure, especially where when you are in, in a position where you have a voice and people are saying, oh, I can't believe these celebrities or these influencers are actually quiet about mm. this. And the next tweet will be uh, if you have nothing of value to offer, maybe you should keep quiet. Mm. I think we shouldn't pressure people to be activists, especially if they, they are going to say something that then dilutes the entire message and sends the completely wrong message. Mm. We should allow people to be quiet if they feel like, I don't have enough information on this to say something. And I'm not going to just send a tweet just to say, I mean, I'm, not, I'm just showing support. Let the people who are really passionate about this drive it. And if they need us to donate, we can do that. But there's absolutely no need for all of us to be, you know, campaigning and making a noise, especially if they're going to say something that's going to be sideways. Mm. It's unnecessary pressure. And it, 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 it means you're not focusing on the right, the right message at the time. Focus on the people who are saying the things that need to be said and we can amplify. We can amplify that message a lot. But now because everybody must participate, Omundu is going to say something that is really so off and you can tell because then you are going to come for them and be like, oh, hey, Mara, they're also so stupid, the airheads. Mm. They don't know what's going on. And which is true. Sometimes we really don't know everything. Mm. So allow people to not know. And don't force them to tweet just to get it out of the way because that's actually worse. Mm. It's just like, yeah, 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 here's your tweet. Here's your hashtag. It's, yeah. it's, it's just, it's worse. It just, it's just worse. Absolutely. I completely agree. This has been like an incredible masterclass <laughs> that I never knew I needed. <laughs> because this is the kind of space where the learning honestly just never, ever stops. Um, and you, I mean, I follow you on social media and there's just always something that I'm learning from your tweets or from, you know, the, the feedback that you give to people, even in terms of how they interact on social media. 
um, there's just always incredible nuggets um, that I'm always able to pick up because you're just so amazing at what you do and you genuinely are passionate about it, which is always so refreshing. So for people who want to connect with you, want to learn from you, want to follow you, where can they find you online? So um, you can follow my personal page, which is mismanager underscore, both on Twitter and uh, Instagram. I am on Facebook, but I'm keeping my Facebook to myself. I am on LinkedIn. I'm Busisi West Kosana on LinkedIn. And then I'm going to have a little... And you can follow us on Azanian underscore Pulse, which is the business account. We share a bunch of information in and around social media, but I must uh, disclaimer, everything is articles collected every on the internet. Obviously, we check credibility and sources, but on all of my personal pages, anything that I share uh, cannot be Googled. Uh, it's years of experience. I mean, I've been doing this for nine years and it's everything I've encountered. It's my genuine thoughts. It's things I think should be happening, things I think shouldn't be happening. But again, I, I don't consider myself an expert. I consider myself somebody who just shares thoughts. And if it makes sense to you, you're more than welcome to keep following me. Um, last question, actually, before I let you go. How do you select which influencers you sign onto Azanian Pulse? So, you know, this question comes up a lot. And usually, um, I, you know, the, the idea, it looks like I'm signing people who are big and established. Mm. But when I started, I was working with, you know, for instance, Dr. Mom Cooks. Um, I, I mentioned this a lot, and I, I feel like it's always important for me to mention. She was on 1,000 followers on Twitter and probably like 4,000 on Instagram. And this is last year in August when we started working. Mm. And what I picked up from that is that if I start working with established and non-established or uh, influencers or content creators or aspiring people who don't necessarily have the numbers, because the people who have the numbers and it's easy for me to monetize and just get the ball rolling, it'll seem like I'm prioritizing them and these guys are not getting the gigs. Mm. Forgetting that, you know, what goes into it is building, it's positioning you. It's getting you to a place where even when we grow your following, we're actually growing a targeted type of following that when I take it to the brands and monetize, I don't have to then over-explain and over you know, overcompensate and overextend myself and say, but, you know, yeah, I'm not really sure of the audience. I know exactly what the audience was because I built you up with that audience in mind in every little thing we did, every little tweet we sent out, every little piece of content was because we had that that audience in mind. We were attracting the people that we want to speak to when we start working with the brands. Mm. So, you know, you send an email to my PA. I send you a bunch of questions. I look at your analytics. I don't look at your pretty pictures. I don't look at the at, at your followers. I also look at how much you put into it. I look at the consistency. I look at how you're willing to learn, how you're willing to move, how you're willing to be agile. And then I can then give you, you know, a three-month trial to say, okay, let's start working. Mm. And in that process, you know, there's things like resources and you have to be able to afford me mm. now i have a, a, a situation where people are saying yeah but i can't be on retainer if i'm not going to be getting work and i'm thinking you know it's 
literally October now and I'm working on campaigns for Valentine's Day. Mm. And that's what you pay for as well. Mm. So it's a it's a very difficult thing and it's a process and I'm 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 becoming very careful about how I also manage people because I'm realizing that it would be so easy for me to manage everybody and just take their money. It would mm. literally be so easy, but I'm result based. You know, I'm the type of person where in one month where I feel like I did absolutely nothing for my influencers, I actually give them a refund because mm. I'm so result driven. Mm. Mm. Mm, that's amazing. Well, I wish you every success um, in everything that you do. Um, I certainly absolutely love the way that you show up in this world and the impact that you're having. Um, and the information that you share so freely with so many people who would not otherwise have access to it, um, I certainly appreciate that. And I know that so many others do too, because I see the responses to your tweets and, and your threads and the excitement that people have when you mention having a masterclass. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what else lies in store for you. And thank you so much, Busi, for having this conversation with me. No, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This one this one was very refreshing. This one was very refreshing. I love it. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> thank you. And thank you for joining us for another episode of The Workplace Revolution with me, Sihle Bolani. I will see you again next time. Mm-hmm.